Welcome to our podcast series, Getting to the Core Issues. Hello, I'm Joanne Bellotta. And I'm Marianne Harmston. Each segment, we will interview healthcare innovators whose models will help transform the healthcare delivery system and provide solutions to the healthcare puzzle. Today's guest is Kevin J. Roberts, author and director of Empower ADD Project. Good morning, Kevin, and welcome to our show. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're good. great. Very good. Very happy to be here. I love what you're doing, and I hope I can shed some light and help people who are listening get to the core issues that surround the condition we know as ADHD. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the school system and the role it plays. I had a lot of struggles with the school system. I mean, even just getting my son diagnosed with ADHD. I recognized that there was something wrong in elementary school, like fifth or sixth grade. He started struggling with reading and being able to pay attention and sit and focus on his homework assignments, which at that time was nothing major. It was more, you know, drawing a picture and then writing a few sentences about, you know, what he drew. He couldn't sit still and focus on doing that. And so I had gone to the teachers and they're, oh, it's just, you know, we'll work with him. They put a tutor with them to work with him on his reading skills. And they said, you know, it's just immaturity, whatever. By the time he went into the seventh grade, he was really struggling, particularly in English. Math, for some reason, he could do math. He was just phenomenal in math. But English and then anything where he had to read and write something, he just couldn't organize his thoughts and be able to put it down on paper at all. And I had gone to his English teacher because he was failing English and said, look, you know, can you tutor him? What's your action plan? And they're like, oh, well, yeah, he can come after school and, you know, and we'll tutor him. Then I, you know, he comes home and I said, well, did you go see the English teacher? You're supposed to meet with her to get tutoring. He goes, oh no, we went and did country line dancing because she teaches a country line dancing class. So I called up the teacher and I said, well, what happened here? And she said, oh, he seems to prefer country line dancing to having to do English. I said, of course he does, you know, who wouldn't, right? And if you're a kid, in that situation. So I was angry. I went and I met with the assistant principal and I said, you know, and several other teachers had told me too that, you know, he would come in and I knew he did his homework because that was the nightly battle to get his homework done. And he would go into um, the classroom and, and then his homework wouldn't get handed in. And the teacher's would tell me he didn't do his homework. I'm like, well, that's not true. I said, I know he did his homework. And they went and checked his locker. His locker was all in disarray. And the homework, sure enough, was there. But it was in the bottom of a pile under the rest of the papers and the books. But they found other homework assignments that they claimed he didn't do there too because he couldn't organize himself to move it from the locker and his backpack over to school. I met with the assistant superintendent, uh, the assistant principal at the school. And he told me, oh, don't worry about him because he wasn't, he was looking by the end of middle school that he wasn't going to graduate and move on to high school. And they so told me, well, don't worry about it. It's the, it's the middle school funk. And we have 19 other kids that are in the same situation as your, your son, but don't worry when he gets to, you know, high school, um, you know, these things tend to straighten themselves out. I was very upset. He did make it out of middle school. He got into high school and fortunately got a guidance counselor who had a son who has ADHD and executive functioning disorder and recognized it immediately and got him tested, got him on an IEP, but struggled all throughout high school and barely made it out of high school. The school system to me kind of failed 
my son. And it failed my brother, Dan, and it also failed Oscar Schindler. Like I said, Oscar Schindler failed out of school. One of the things that happens is, you know, a guy like your son, a guy like my brother, Dan, a guy like Oscar Schindler, these are people who like to be in motion. They like to be, of course he liked line dancing because that was something physical. Too bad they couldn't have incorporated the line dancing with some type of uh, tutoring. And I do that all the time. I incorporate movement into stuff that I do when I work with kids. But the school system, you know, first of all, we have this vocational training track, but that's a less than situation. Children who are, you know, they go to the, the mechanical technical school, you know, for part of their classes nowadays, you know, some of their classes, that's less than, you know, we make children like, well, you can't do the academics. You're less than, you know, think about Oscar Schindler. This is a guy who hated school. He was a lot like your son, you know, didn't like to write things down. If you've seen the movie Schindler's List, mm-hmm. um, you know, you remember Oscar Schindler's is the, it's ex is trying to give him the, the statistics. And he says, I can finish my lunch in peace, or I can get a headache from reading this. And so he, he wanted the summary. He didn't want to get all the details. And um, he, he wasn't good at that. He was good at action, movement, purpose, driven um, intensity. And so school does not play to those things. School plays to, are you good at sitting still? Are you good at keeping your mouth shut? Are you good at filling in rote worksheets that really have little bearing on life or learning? These are the skills that unfortunately school a lot of times requires. So I would love to have schools, especially in the younger years, that honor the skills that people like my brother had uh, have, that honor the types of skills that Oscar Schindler had that honor your, your son, the skills that he has, because, you know, the problem is you get to adulthood and these people, they have low self-esteem, you know, exactly. my, my brother still thinks he's a screw up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting in, in my home in front of a wall, just behind me. There's a wall that had the foundation had a hole in it. I'm only sitting here because my brother dug a ditch with friends and filled it in and fixed my wall for me. He didn't know what he was doing, but that's often what, you know, ADHD people, we just like to kind of sometimes go headlong into things. I have, what for whatever reason, you know, I have a lot of the same tendencies as my brother, but I got that academic gene. I can do school, uh, and but I still, you know, for the most part, didn't enjoy it, but I was able to get through and do stuff and get what I needed. But I just see a lot of young people for whom school is, it's friction. It's against their mm-hmm. grade. And as a society, I just hope one day we can find a way to have schools that honor people like Oscar Schindler and honor people like my brother, because my first book is called Movers, Dreamers, and Risk Takers. And I believe that the the people like my brother, like Oscar Schindler, like your son, these are movers. These are people who shake things up. These are people who change the world, but so often their early, their experiences in school, those early experiences push them down. They suppress their initiative. They suppress their drive. They suppress their positive messages. They give them negative messages about simply 
who they are. Right, because in school, you know, his grades never reflected his ability. Like I said, he barely made it out of high school. But then when he went to culinary school, he was getting A's, his confidence was back. He was very happy and doing very well because he was always, you know, cooking is one of those things, like you said, you're always in motion, you're creating, it's new. Um, so explains a, what you're saying, explains a lot about his uh, gifts and abilities, but also, you know, the things that were potentially hampering him during high school. Given everything that you've said, and my experiences were different in the sense that the exposure to ADHD as well as learning disabilities was um, diagnosed very young. And my research at the time led me into systems that had integrative programs, which were able to support, even though sometimes it was a constant fight, in other words... Yeah her an extra year in, in middle school, given, giving her an extra year in high school, getting her out of special needs and into vocational school because they had convinced me that special needs would prepare her for life better when in fact a vocational school prepared her much better by allowing her to pursue um, courses in child in child care. So she's excellent at what she does with small children. Her learning disabilities, which are more math related, therefore are not, do not impact children from six months to four years of age, which is where she specializes. And in over 35 years, she's been very successful in that environment. But the, the ability to get from point A to, point, to the point we are now uh, is, a, is, a, is a book unto itself if you'd like to write it. <laughs> but um, because it shows a vocation that came out of exactly what you said, which was identifying the strengths and then nurturing those strengths, celebrating those strengths, making sure she understood how important they were, celebrating her graduation, celebrating the fact that every five years she gets a recertification. So all of these things, again, with positive reinforcement, help to somewhat stabilize her life. But in your movers, dreamers, and risk takers, and some of your other books, you've obviously done incredible research on this subject. And currently, in the school, from what Joanne has said, because her situation, my child is older, your brother is a little older than my daughter, her son is a lot younger. In all the research that you've done, where are you finding, are you finding you know, I found an integrated uh, school system, which was in a region that was close to where we could move to. And I was the first parent, I later found out, that ever went into a school system and said, I have a child coming in that has special needs, and I want to make sure she's in the program from day one. Most parents sometimes are reluctant. And also, there's so much stigma, there's so much confusion, and there doesn't seem to be a clear path depending on what the diagnosis is. When you are treating children and then having to deal with the school system, have you found a particular school system that's getting this right? Make me come back to that question if I veer off, but I wanna say a couple things. Think about the skills and commitment and executive functioning that you needed to have in order to find a school district, sell your house, move to a new district, contact the new district. Think about the type of person you are. You're rare. <laughs> I hate to tell okay. you. Everybody, most people don't have those skills. And if they have those skills, they don't have the wherewithal to create, to uproot and create a new life. Kudos to you and how blessed 
your daughter is to have had a mother like you, to have a mother like you. But most people are not going to be able to pull that off. You know, I live in the state of Michigan, which is one of the worst states in the country in how we treat uh, special needs folks. If you're just like, you know, sort of garden variety ADHD, yeah, you might do okay. But boy, once you start getting into heavier uh, needs and, you know, greater needs, we, my state is pathetic. In fact, I have a good friend named Marcy Lipset. And Marcy basically does kind of what you do, except she does it in a somewhat antagonistic way. She has to go to school districts and like threaten lawsuits in order to get school districts to accommodate children's needs. I like to say, if you have a problem with your special needs child, dial 1-800-MARCY. But that's just a little, that's just a little, I'm hoping I'm going to make sure Marcy You know, there's a lot of Marcy's around the country. And unfortunately, we need the Marcy's of the world. So did Peppermint Patty. But that's a story for another time. Did you get that joke at least? Yes, I did get that joke. And the Peanuts Christmas special is so we need to start working about that. Unfortunately, people like Marcy are needed in this world. Parents like you are often made to feel that you're doing something wrong. You're a burden. You're a bother. Oh, but yeah. All oh, you're yeah that's right. exactly how I felt. You know, Marianne. You yeah. know, Joanne. And, you know, all you're trying to do is get your kid a fair shake. And you've discovered something, Marianne. You discovered that your daughter does have gifts to give to the world and luckily she was in a system that helped her at a young age develop those gifts i just don't understand why uh school doesn't do that uh more often but it's it, it, it i think it's getting worse educational budgets are being cut when educational budgets are being cut uh, the special needs kids, the ADHD kids are the ones that's suffering. And I'm going to tell you something else. There's a lot of wonderful teachers out there. Yes. There's mm-hmm. a lot of great no, teachers. But more and more, I see, I don't see the goofballs and the, the, the fun, wacko teachers that I used to. I see a lot more seriousness in the teaching world than I used to. And it kind of concerns me because, you know, when the three of us were in school, you know, there was always that one really yeah. crazy. Yeah. I, I have kids that I work with now and I ask them, I'm like, is there one, you got like one really fun teacher? And a lot of the kids say no. Well, there were always fun, you know, wacko teachers that, that made us want to go to school, made us want to go to their class. I just see fewer and fewer of those. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the quest for is what I found with the school system is, is this quest to turn every kid into an advanced placement kid to get them into Harvard and Princeton and Yale. And not all kids want to go to those types of schools or should be going to those sort of schools. Some There's nothing wrong with the trades. They don't push for that. And I think that quest is driving the type of teachers they're hiring, which are the more serious, you know, ones that deal with these perfect students who can fall into advanced placement and less and less teachers that are able to communicate and effectively engage children that have learning disabilities and maybe aren't that perfect AP student. I could not agree with you more. And, you know, I used to teach and that's one of the reasons I don't teach anymore uh, in a school because I was finding myself burdened by this very drive in school systems that you guys are talking about. And, you know, the funny thing is I'm, you know, this is, I haven't taught school in 20 years and I still have kids come, you know, they're now in their thirties. I'm getting old. And uh, they still tell me, 
stuff they learned from me. Because, you know, I used to make up songs and, you know, I would veer off track. And if somebody was interested in something, we'd veer off track. And kids remember that stuff. Yeah, uh, they definitely do. I still remember the teachers that uh, I had one teacher that used to come in and play the guitar and he'd, you know, sing the history stories to you. I remember anything he ever taught me in that you're class. Not gonna, you're not going to, you're going to find less of that. Like I had a guy like that named Father Ned Donaher, God rest his soul. He'd be about 93 nowadays and father donaher made up a song called the bible beat and because <laughs> i he was my freshman theology uh, teacher i went to catholic school school called catholic central and it, it basically took and made 25 verses out of the old testament and i, I know every verse abraham oh, the oh, was the man who left the 1850 was the year he began his great career he received an honored place as the father of the chosen race that went on and on and on but I still remember it. this is the people this is 35 years ago I oh, have that a friend, is so funny yeah I got a I got a friend named Jacob Levy and Jacob Levy tutors students some of my students and Jacob Levy is a master of making up mnemonic devices to help students learn and he and he does this in song he's a composer as well and if anybody's listening and you have a child who needs help Jacob Levy if you you get my email I'll be happy to uh, give you his contact yes, and we will have all, we will have all your contact information on our website so they can always get to you and then you can refer them to Jake, Jacob or any or Miss Marcy or whoever the other lady was. Miss Marcy. I think that's her new nickname. You've just Ms. come Marcy. across it. one Miss Marcy. I like that. There you go. Listen, I have to tell you, Kevin, I imagine I was a, definitely a little, uh, well, I guess I was very ADHD in school, but like you, was able to get by. Uh, I usually was daydreaming out the window because I wanted to be a movie star, and, um, and the lessons were less important, but I passed. But now I regale my grandchildren with stories about activities within detention, and much to my older daughter's chagrin, she says, Mom, please don't tell the kids really, you know, how bad a student you were. And I go, listen, <laughs> I can't help it. It's part of my life story. The kids, the kids are great. They're all, they're all doing great in school. They can care less. They just think it's hysterical that, you know, Mimi, at, at one time in detention, like you went to Catholic school. I'm in detention because I, I said I brought my homework and I didn't do it. They threw another boy in, in, this, in the, in the um, cloakroom and I found a box and I said, well, look at this. This, Alex. I go, these are, are cleaning rags. Well, wait a minute. I said, it has Sister Mary Leo's name on it. And what it was, was half her bra. So <laughs> I, put it, I put it on my head and I danced around like it was a yarmulke. And then the nun came swinging through the door and there were Alex and I dancing around with the half of bras on our head, like we were oh. pretending to be Jewish rabbis. And of course I got detention again. But hey, make me happy. <laughs> wow. One of the things that happens that I've struggled with is that when you like are an ADHD or in the classroom, you get the finger pointed at you a lot. And so some of us, like me, end up lying. And I used to lie, 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 lie. And I got very good at it. And in fact, in seventh grade, I didn't do my seventh grade science project, which was a major portion of the grade. And I made up an elaborate story. I, I was a storyteller from a young age and uh, I was 12 years old and I made up a story that my mother and stepfather were having marital problems <laughs> and, they were, and they were fighting all the time and I can't get anything done. <laughs> all 
lies. Back in those days, like if it happened now, like, you know, they'd probably call Child Protective Services or something. <laughs> right. But nobody, you know, nobody wanted to talk about that stuff. So Miss, Mrs. Comar, God love her, she made me come. At, like I had to stay after school for like two weeks for an hour a time and help her in the science room. I was yeah. great at working with the school student body because I usually was the only person in detention. And when you're in detention for two years solid, you get to be friends with all the upperclassmen. <laughs> <laughs> the administrator, you probably have the school secretary in your pocket. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Mrs. Powell, I loved, Jerry loved me. And I remember I'd go in the office and she'd be like, oh, hello, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> or, as, or as the principal of my academy said, when, when we had to go in the next day to get our diplomas because they didn't give them to us in church. They gave us a fake folder. Um, she, she had a little bit of a power control thing going. So I, I was so afraid that she'd come up with a reason why I couldn't graduate, even though there was no reason I shouldn't graduate. And I said, um, you know, I told her my name and she, uh, Marian Romano was my maiden name. And she, and she, all of a sudden she threw her pen down. This is a little nun, five foot tall, you know, the sisters of charity with the thing around their face, the little bow cracked up. She, I said to myself, Oh, this is how she's going to do it. She's going to have a nervous breakdown. I'm never <laughs> getting my diploma. This is what she's going to do. And finally she looked up and she said, do you really think that with all the trouble you've caused, I would ever forget your name? <laughs> So, <laughs> I mean, I don't consider dancing around with a bra on your head or wearing a, a, a hair bun to be like, you know, that's the kind of stuff it was, you know, back in the day. I'm thinking, Joe, as we're talking with Kevin, I'm incredulous. Now, granted, I understand Michigan's under tremendous duress. Uh, my older daughter is fortunate enough to live with her husband in fairly affluent areas. So her children have the benefit of a really superior school system. However... She has a, a dear friend who works in special in special needs, and my daughter's on the board of the board of education. And she said that it is just horrendous what the teachers have to go through to try to get the curriculums that they need and make the progress that they need to make because they're so restricted by so many different laws or the lack of supplies or the lack of support. And I was married to a teacher and that was the script back in the 60s and 70s. It's the script I'm hearing now. It leads us to understand that one of the things, Joe, we really need to look at is what's going on. We're talking about health. That's our focus, healthcare. But but health is integrated along with education. You can't really separate them because one works off the other. You know, when you're healthy, then you find your passion or you find what you want to do or hopefully may take a couple of different paths, many different paths, perhaps. You can't, you can be healthy and not have the education you need to find your passion or help to support you to do what you want to do. And I guess what I'm hearing today is that Perhaps we, you know, I'm thinking about Maria Shriver. Maria Shriver, Kevin, has a, a show called Architects of, of Change, and she interviews people. We've been in touch with her, and I'm going to get in touch with her again, but she has a tremendous rapport, especially because of the special of the special needs project that uh, the Special Olympics that her mom and dad were so, and her family were so actively involved in. But in addition to that, there's the everyday stresses that, we need to try to make better. And clearly, I mean, just the water situation alone in Flint, I can't even, can't, I can't even go there. 
because they're going to be crazy altogether. Because, of course, those things also impact the children. You hit the nail on the head with that, Marianne. It's not just the educational aspect. I think there, there does need to be change in how, you know, the methods in which they teach children at the schools um, and, and identifying ADHD in a very earlier stage and then having programs where they can learn the way they need to learn. But the environment too, because to Kevin, your point, the way the school system makes you feel is like you're a loser and you're defective and you don't belong. And then these kids can be very cruel to one another too. So once you're put into a special needs class or whatever, then they they used to refer to my son as the sped. That stigma. That stigma hits them. So that whole environment is exacerbating the issues we're having with with healthcare in this country and with mental health. And some of that can also lead to um, other beha- negative behaviors. So Kevin, I've heard that people who suffer from ADHD also have are more prone to addictive behaviors like cyber addiction and substance abuse. Can you talk a little bit about that? People with ADHD are at heightened risk for all addictions. And when you consider that fact, plus the whole cyber uh, addiction angle, there's, there's a nexus. There's, a, there's something that's common to those. People with ADHD, we are not generally engaged and activated by routine and normal reality. And so we struggle to find life satisfying. We struggle to find experiences that satisfy and fully engage us. I mean, addiction is, I'm not happy with reality. I'm going to make things more exciting and more interesting. And I'm going to use that substance or that addictive behavior of choice to change that. And so if you think about the internet or video games or people who get entranced by Facebook, we're pursuing a sense of satisfaction, which really is what we you know, psychologically talk about as reward. We want those little micro packages of reward of satisfaction that we get from, okay, I'm checking my email. Now I'm going to Facebook. Now I'm going to watch a YouTube video. Oh, that was interesting. Now I'm going to look that up. Now I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And I'm going to get these little micro satisfactions along the way. So a lot of us are becoming addicted to that, especially those of us with ADHD. And uh, certainly in general, ADHD, I mean, you know, when I have teenagers, one of the things that I work with, one of the things that we talk about all the time is addiction. Have you started drinking yet? Hey, you, you, are you thinking about uh, doing marijuana? How's that vape, vaping going? I'm, I'm going to tell you, the vaping is uh, an, an epidemic. I mean, I can't tell you. I, I live in a rather affluent school district, and I think about half the kids at the high school are vaping. The addiction in general and the cyber addiction, it all gets back to how our brains are constructed. And those of us with ADHD have brains that struggle to find life satisfying, to have that sense of satisfaction, to find, as we talked about with Oscar Schindler, a sense of purpose. And so when I don't find something positive to satisfy me, to activate me, to give me a sense of purpose, I, as an ADHD individual or as a person prone to addiction, I will create that negatively. So what's the treatment for that? Is it going back to the medications? Is it counseling? I mean, how do you prevent these negative behaviors? Or if they become a cyber addict or or addicted to substances, what's the best way to treat somebody who, you know, has ADHD and and an addiction problem? People I work with, when they take their medication, they don't seem to need the 
whether it's the video game or the, you know, the online behavior of choice, they don't get the same thrill from it when they're on their medication. Ned Hallowell put out a book with John Rady many years ago called Driven to Distraction. And the idea was, is that, you know, we're distracted and our attention is constantly shifting because we need to bring in new sources of stimulation to feel satisfied. And that paradigm is particularly accurate and applicable to the internet because that's what we're all doing with the internet. So what is the treatment? Well, as with any addiction or excessive behavior, the first step is always, I have to admit there's a problem. I've written a couple books on this. One of them is Cyber Junkie, Escape the Gaming and the Internet Trap. And the other one is Get Off That Game Now, The Essential Family Guide to Healthy Screen Behavior. Both of those books offer step-by-step guides for how to deal with this. But let's just, let's, let me give you a synopsis uh, again. Admit there's a problem. And then whenever we find an excessive, like if we're talking cyber addiction, uh, whenever we find an excessive user of the screen, we almost always see other issues that are in play. I find a lot of people that come to me end up going on to be diagnosed with anxiety, depression, social anxiety. I've had a number of teenagers and young adults after you know working with them for a while, we discovered that what had pushed them to the internet or to a game or to the screen and excessive use was a bullying incident that had gone unreported. So it's that whole iceberg idea that the surface behavior is often just the manifestation of some deeper stuff going on. So you have to treat those underlying conditions, whether it's ADHD, whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever it happens to be. I've had a number of people come to me with young people who were addicted to the game World of Warcraft who went on to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder. I don't know what the connection is there, but I've had too too many people uh, of that description come through my doors to not think that something's going on. I'm not saying that World of Warcraft is creating bipolar, but I'm just thinking that people with those types of issues for some reason seem to be drawn to that particular game. When you look back years ago, I'm thinking with my own children, it was Mr. Rogers and it was Sesame Street. And so there was a limited amount of television and then the TV, they they played. They played with their toys, they played with their friends, Mm -hmm. they went outside. My older daughter with the children has been very, very astute at minimizing the amount of screen time, both for the iPads, phones, TV. She monitors it very well. Having said that, I can see where it's new technology that's invading our brains. So I know myself, I can can be on that iPad three hours easily. I have to literally tell myself, shut it down, get off, leave some time and go to go to sleep because otherwise I'd be on all night. And I'm sure other people don't do that, but I'm one of those people that's prone to addictive behavior. I, I've also heard that you're prone to sticking um, nuns bras on your head. <laughs> <laughs> another, another problem that that's you That's a have. negative stimulation you were talking about. <laughs> right, that's that stim- that's that changing reality to get extra stimulation there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> How do people access your program? And are there other people doing what you do? Because I'm sure once parents start to hear this podcast, they're going to want help for their, their child. I'm going to risk sounding very immodest. I am my own category. Okay. 
Uh, nobody, nobody does exactly what I do. And what I do is I work one-on-one with and, and in groups with young people, young adults. I can do that on Skype. I can do that on phone. If you're a parent out there and you want some support in your area, I would certainly entertain an email from you. I'm very focused on school and I'm very focused on parent coaching. If people want to get a hold of me, they can send me an email to cyberjunkie512 at gmail.com. That's one of the emails I use, and it's the title of my first book, Cyber, C-Y-B-E-R-J-U-N, like Nancy, K-I-E, cyberjunkie512 at gmail.com. And then go to my website, kevinjroberts.net. Don't forget the J, kevinjroberts.net. And not .com, it's .net, kevinjroberts.net. And you can access my books on there. And there's, I got a lot of blogs and different things and happy to help in any way I can. And if you want, if people want the, uh, the books, they're all available on Amazon. You've been a wonderful guest and this has been so helpful for me and I'm sure for you too, Marianne. With clarity, with, with steps, with, uh, with perhaps a bridge, you can create a bridge, Kevin. Uh, if we build on what you're doing and we can expand that, maybe we can start to change some of the way education has been approaching these children all along. It's a national epidemic. It's a worldwide epidemic, but we see it more in industrialized countries because they have access to things that, you know, where other children are, are hoping to be able to get enough food to eat. We live in a, in a world where the children have access to a lot of mobile types of uh, electronics. So thank you very much, Kevin. Um, Joanne, we'll, we'll both be in touch with you. We'll do a follow-up. And on that next podcast, you talk about Get Off That Game Now and the Essential Family Guide to Healthy Screen Behavior. We'll do the podcast on that. Visit our website at extremekey.com. Don't forget to share our podcast with your family and friends. Thank you for listening to Getting to the Core Issues, where we bring you solutions for solving the healthcare puzzle.